Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nick Davis! Nick Davis! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it! Hello and welcome to a new episode of I See It But I Don't Believe It. I'm Gemma Bastiani here again um, talking about a team uh, a, a team that I really like but uh, beating my own team, which is going to be fun for me. I'm very excited to be joined today by Fremantle head coach uh, Trent Cooper. Hello. Hi Gemma, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Thanks for jumping on and um, thanks for all the chats this year about footy. It's kept me... Uh, alive i guess because that's not other not a lot of other great stuff happening no um, definitely it's the case it's um we're all, all looking for good news stuff at the moment aren't we yes very much so um i did kind of introduce you but for those people who don't know who you are can you give us a brief recap of who you are and what you do yes i'm the Fremantle aflw coach so i took over in 2019 um, and I coached the uh state 18s wa uh, girl side for the couple of years before that. So that was my intro into uh, women's footy. And then, uh, yeah, fortunate enough to get the Freo job um, in 2019. So I had two very enjoyable years there so far. So far, except for the ends of both of those seasons have been just a little bit flattening, right? Well, the, the ends to most seasons in footy normally are. There's normally something like you've either missed the finals or you've been beaten somewhere along the line. So uh, that's par for the course last year i think though or this year 2020 was definitely a bit different that's for sure so uh yeah that's one that we will never forget <laughs> yeah um so when we were chatting about or i suggested you think about something you want to talk about in this episode you were very quick to tell me what you'd like to talk about so can you share with everyone what topic you wanted to talk about today yeah so it's the it was the first game in 2019. So had a lot of significance. Um, it was my first AFLW game coaching. Um, it was Kiara Bauer's first game of AFLW, something like 940 days after she was signed. Yeah. Um, and it was Fremantle's first ever away win as well. So uh, there was, it was a lot of yeah firsts on that day. Uh, yeah, just... 40 degrees when the ball was bounced. Yeah, it was, an, it was uh, yeah, a, an amazing day and a really high-quality game of football. Yeah, it's like I still think, even though we lost, uh, being a Melbourne supporter, I still think this is probably one of the best AFLW games we've seen in the four years of it, for sure. Yeah, the um, I think the third quarter, Melbourne scored five goals. So that's the at that stage that was a record score in a quarter. So we conceded that, and uh, which wasn't a great start to my coaching career. Um, but yeah, 
to the girls' credit, to be able to turn that round in that last quarter, um, and in particular with Kiara Bowers, that was the the, the moment that uh, yeah that everyone will remember for a long time because it was her first game and and what she did that day and what she's done since. Yeah, and the fact that it was Casey Fields with incredible wind and also yeah, I think it was. 38 degrees for the bulk of the day which is absurd i remember sitting there and just dying sitting there let alone people running around playing football so that was something else um let's get into it though so you've mentioned that kiara bowers debuted in this game but you actually had seven debutants in this game massive amount yeah we've um had like in the two years i've been there uh we've had 60 percent turnover of our list which is massive uh, that was and that's before this current sign and trade period just went. So it was 60%. So, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of de- uh, debutantes. Quite a few of those were mature age debutantes. Um, uh, Phil Seth, um, uh, Katie Jane Greb was it was her first game for us. She had played one game for Carlton. Um, yeah, Paris Laurie in the ruck that day was really good. It was Anne Stannett's first game of football. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, so she'd come across as a rookie from... Um, from soccer. She played in a scratch match against Adelaide and then, yeah, she was on Alicia Newman. Uh, so it was, an, it was, I didn't mess around giving her a good task. I think Newman, kicked, I think Newman might've kicked the first goal too. You know, I, I did, did. Quest, question myself at that point, but <laughs> Anne did a great job uh, for the rest of that day. And obviously for the, for the time since. So yeah, a lot of debutantes um, and Sabrina Duffy, who I'd coached through the 18, she, uh, from memory, had a really good game that day on debut as well. Um, and, yeah, so it was a lot of firsts for us, that's for sure. Yeah, and just to be the Melbourne advocate here, uh, I have to be, uh, it was Melbourne's first game without Daisy Pierce in the side because she obviously missed the whole 2019 season. So it was our first real look at what Melbourne's midfield would be without Daisy Pierce in there, and Maddie Gay was very much a bit of a linchpin in there um, taking over that role, which is which we'll get to as well. But can I ask you about a couple of things that you've mentioned to me about this game? Because we have had a conversation about this game in particular. <laughs> Um, and it becomes very obvious very early the impact of Ebony Antonio playing forward. So that's something that you came up with that you had been planning for a while. Obviously, it came off how you wanted it to. Yeah, absolutely. It was just looking at the stats the previous year, um, I think we were the number one clearance team, um, yeah, number one or two for tackles, and we're yeah, really good at contested ball. But we weren't getting inside 50s. And watching the game style, we just didn't have a lot of confidence going forward. Um, and then we'd lost the th- well, the three key forwards from the previous year. Uh, Emily Maguire, Stacey Barr and Amy Lavelle weren't even on the list anymore. Amy was in the coaches, coaches box. That, that was her coaching debut as well. Um, so looking at our list, we had to give our midfield hope, um, we thought. And that was... Ebony Antonio. So she'd won the fairest and best the previous year, playing at centre half back. Um, thought, okay, if we can just really structure our forward line around her, um, it'll give us a lot of confidence going forward. And um, yeah, that's the way. That's the way it did prove for the, for the whole of that year, really. It's pretty incredible to think about you having to find a focal point up forward when this year in 2020, your forward line was kind of so stacked that everyone was envious, whereas you kind of had to create that over the past 18 months or so, right? Yeah, and, and Gemma Houghton was the other big one too. So in 2018, I think she had 
four kicks for the year. She just didn't have a have a good year at all. So getting some confidence um, into her. Her and Ebony work really well together. Um, they're very different but very close as well. And um, the synergy that they produced in that year was really good. And on that first game, and Gemma obviously took her game to a new level in that year. And so with those two, you know, Sabrina Duffy obviously coming in as well, added a lot. Gabby O'Sullivan's sort of been the most reliable forward over Frio's journey. And then, yeah, this year we're obviously fortunate enough to add in, um, you know, Roxy Ruin to that mix as well. And, I mean, Ashley Sharp didn't have too bad a game either. Well, I think I think Ashley Sharp's seventh on the all-time AFLW goal-kicking list, yeah. something like that. And, um, yeah, still doesn't get anywhere near the credit that she deserves. And she's only 22 as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, her... She's just she kicks goals, and the thing that she does is she makes goals. And um, her last year, she was our leading when she had an inside fifty. We scored more from her than any other player. And um, you go back to that Melbourne game. She kicked a, a left foot that it went fifty five in the air, but carried about eighty meters. And Antonio finished with a goal there. So yeah, she's really important uh, whether she's playing on a wing or up forward uh, with those inside fifties. Yeah, incredible. So let's actually talk about the game itself. So um, it, it kicks off. It automatically was a fairly open game, just like despite the weather and all of that and the wind as well. And Casey Fields obviously has a natural uh, windy kind of end. And that's usually the scoring end, which is left of screen if you're watching on TV. Um, and straight away, Melbourne kind of kicked two goals through Newman and Hoare. So it's all of a sudden, everyone going into this game thought Frio were no hope and Melbourne were the strong team and all this sort of stuff. And it almost felt like that's how it was going to go after the first 10 minutes. But then the Dockers just got control at the non-scoring end and that's where it started to really shift, right? Absolutely, yep. Well, I remember we went in really confident. Um, So... Our training had been really good. Talking to the girls, they were really confident. They felt they'd improved a lot. Uh, everything had gelled together. Um, but then you get whacked in the face with two goals early and you think, oh, have I overestimated how well you know, we're going? Um, yeah, because Melbourne were just very good. We hadn't done a lot wrong in those that first time. Um, and the win was significant. I remember listening to the commentary when I listened back. They yeah. didn't talk about the wind at all. Um, and I even remember in my post-match interview, um, they, one of the journos said, oh, was the heat a factor in the momentum swings? I was like, there's a four-goal breeze out here. That was the... <laughs> that was the um, and, and what won and lost the game probably was our ability to score goals into the breeze um, in, that, in that first quarter. When you look back on it, it was crucial to kick three goals to the right of screen when there wasn't too many kicked uh, that end at all. Yeah, 100%. And the first goal actually came through Sabrina Duffy on debut, but it was the the key part, I think, was that it was an assist from Antonio that created it, that was, um, it kind of signified what the Dockers would be for the rest of the days. Antonio creating so much forward, whether she's kicking the goals or creating them for others. Yeah, she was, uh, what, do we kick about 10 goals that day in the end? And I, nine, I dare, nine, five. nine was, yeah, and I dare say that, um, Ebony would have been in four or five of them. She, no, she kicked one, but uh, she passed one off to Bowers. She was involved in the one, in the one just before half time as well. So yeah, she was she was crucial that day. 
Yeah, and clearly Harriet Cordner was not having a good day. Um, the other thing that was really significant, I think, in terms of the shift in the first quarter to Fremantle's control was Steph Kane on the wing. She was running really hard and she was really kind of key in the linking between midfield and forward, right? Yeah, and no, Steph's really uh, an important player to us. Uh, last year when she went down, um, I must admit, in the box, I thought, well, that's probably our premiership chance. Gone. We'd already lost two players with me before that. And when she'd had such a good pre-season um, that I think she was about to announce herself as you know, probably close to the premier wing in the competition. Um, yeah. And that day, I don't know if she had a big possession day against Melbourne um, that day, but she was very influential with what she did. And she also stood up in the last quarter. Her first and last quarters were, were crucial. Yeah, she had six touches for the day, um, which... Again, like it doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're linking the strong midfield to a strong forward line, it actually has such an impact as well, right? Definitely. And at that stage, um, yeah, our game plan wasn't to switch the ball much at all. So we weren't going out through the wings. So the wings really were more a defensive sort of mechanism at that stage. Um, and particularly with the breeze, you didn't want to be going um, you know, out you just wanted to get it moving quickly. So yeah. uh, that's obviously changed this year, the way we played. But at that point, our wings were never going to be high possession getters. But if they could impact when they uh, had their chance and that goal that she kicked into the breeze was very important. Mm. And oh, and then um, Sabrina Duffy sets up a beautiful shot for Ashley Sharp, uh, kick after the siren, which meant you guys went into quarter time five points up after Melbourne's strong start. So I was sad. Yeah, no, we were very, very happy at that stage. I would, I would, would have been happy, sort of a goal and a half down, um, yeah. but to be up by uh, five points at that stage, yeah, I was very, uh, very happy. And I think the last ten minutes of that quarter was probably as good as we played all day. Actually, um, the second quarter we probably didn't play as well um, as what we did in that last ten minutes of that first quarter. But you had the breeze, which counted for a lot. Absolutely, yeah. No, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so uh, quarter two begins and Eden Zanker, she got a great early contested mark. So Eden Zanker at this point, at, right now she's, you know, a very strong player for Melbourne. She's versatile. She's probably going to be a captain one day. But back then she'd only played a handful of games and hadn't got a lot of opportunity in her first year. So it was really important for her to kind of stamp her mark on on what Melbourne's team would be in this game and by taking that great contested mark at the start of the second quarter and actually going back and kicking the goal, which Melbourne needs to do more of and less missing um, was really, really good. Um, but then, you know, tackle pressure from not just Bowers, but Haley Miller and people like that really became apparent and very much gave control back to the Dockers. Yeah. I think we had, we, we had a lot of tackles on the day um, and our pressure was really good. And um, uh, Kiara wasn't known as a tackling player. Um, I hadn't seen her play. Um, she obviously was considered a legend of the the, the, the Warful, as, as it was known then, competition. But she was an attacking player who ran hard, got lots of the ball, and the tackles weren't. No, no one had ever talked about her tackling, but then, yeah, we saw it that day. I think she laid 12 on that day, and we've seen since it's been the same way. And I, I remember asking her about it pretty early on in that first year, and it's like, this, this tackling always been there. 
And she said, oh, I don't mind it, but I think I've had a lot of pent up uh, aggression in me over, over a couple of years. So, um, yeah, so these people with the ball have been playing. I haven't. So they're not going to get away from me. So that was her. And she's continued it, continued it through. Well, that's the thing. I'm just, I've got the stats up and yeah, she laid 12 tackles, but the other person that laid 12 tackles was Dana Hooker for the day. So to have two players laying 12 tackles, like that is terrifying. It's also great when you're, you know, your best players are doing that because that sets the example to the younger ones coming through. So you know, quite often your best player might be having 30 touches and one tackle and then your young ones are expected to do the tackling but if your best players are doing that then everybody has to jump on board and it's got like when when Kiara finishes it's going to leave a legacy of that's how you play with the younger ones that have played with her and so we won't be able to measure it for a long time how important she's been in that sense well while we talk about defensive midfielders can we talk about your strategy for curtailing Karen Paxman for this game yeah, it, it didn't, I don't think it was successful, um, really. So Phil Seth, Phil Seth actually played on Hayley Miller in the Waffle W Grand Final and yeah. did an amazing shutdown role, like an amazing shutdown role. And we were always going to draft her anyway, but we thought, well, that's something that we can actually use. And um, looking at Melbourne's midfield without Daisy, we thought if we can control... Paxman, then we'll probably you know, get hold of the game. But Phil tried hard. She run with her, but Paxman was just that little bit smarter at that stage. And that was Phil's debut, so she's obviously learned a lot since then. But I thought Paxman on that day was outstanding. And Phil still did a good job, but she had a fair few tackles herself and didn't give Paxman easy possessions. But, um, yeah, Paxman, I thought, really showed her, her work rate on that day and, and still played very, very well. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that Karen Paxman does above and beyond a lot of other mids is just her endurance and her running is really impressive and it just makes her so hard to defend, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that was the last time uh, I've tagged in AFLW. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> done it since. <laughs> I'm not saying we won't again, but um, yeah, we haven't done that since. And we, we now Phil, I think Phil Seth's going to end up being a really good midfielder for us, but at the moment her runoff halfback um, is really important to us. Um, so I think her time will come in the midfield and she trains in the midfield quite a lot. But yeah, we haven't used a, a, a shutdown role on a midfielder since that day. <laughs> the other thing that I found interesting, um, which started to show in this quarter, and I have spoken to Hayley Miller about this, is her being used in the ruck. Yeah, it was. Um, she, she still talks about that a lot and she's also very keen on us recruiting tall people so she never has to go back into the ruck. Um, it was it was come from a theory that I thought that um, there was, at that point, I hadn't seen rucks dominate AFLW or be super influential, you know, with their, even with their tap work or their around the ground work. So uh, we had Paris Laurie, uh, Alicia Jance was out injured at that stage. So we had to come up with a second ruck. Um, Hayley Miller missed most of the preseason, so she'd been injured, um, but she just got back. She hadn't played a scratch match, I don't think, so we thought we could just use her in bits and bursts and just to have an extra midfielder around the ball. Um, we do it now with Roxy Rue. When she goes into the ruck, pinch hits there and, and does that. So that was the plan with Hayley, and we've 
we did it this year with Ashley Sharp as well. So we're not against doing it um, quite a bit. Um, Haley was the one on that occasion just because she just sort of come back into the team and wasn't ready to play a full midfield role. So she just played limited minutes that day and, uh, and did, a, did a good job. But Lauren Pierce that year, um, she was dominant for the first you know, half of that season. Um, and probably her and Foley for Adelaide, they were the two best rap performances I think we've seen across the four years so far, the form that those two are in. Um, mm. So we worked out, yeah, no, we're going to have to, have to go a bit more conventional in the ruck um, <laughs> for, for, for longer, but I'm still definitely not afraid to pinch hit with different things uh, at times. Well, different rucks can bring you different things. I think we saw that this year, the difference between what Mem Strom could do and what Roxy Roo could do provided different options depending on what state the game was in as well. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And 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 the, it's just important that the other players can react and change and be fluid with it. Um, which our midfield has been able to do. And on that day, Hayley was really good too. And, uh, and we won a few clearances through her work, her bustling work. And Gemma was, Gemma Houghton was supposed to take the centre taps when um, Hayley was in the ruck, but she got a bit excited in the last quarter and missed one, I think, and Hayley had to go up for that. So that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, and I think we scored a goal pretty quickly and um, Gemma made, well, I think Haley made sure that Gemma got in for the next one anyway, so that, uh, that, that could happen. It's all a learning experience. Um, the, I think the thing that uh, uh, became really evident in the second quarter was how strong your backline was restricting Melbourne's ability to mark the ball in their forward 50, which was a really key part of how Melbourne wanted to score a lot of goals. We know Shelley uh, Scott loves to take contested marks. Uh, we know Tegan Cunningham was there. She only was able to take, I think, two marks in the forward line. Kate Hoare as well. It, it really restricted the aerial space in your defensive line. Yeah, Um I absolutely so. Alex Williams is really good that way. Um, I'm pretty sure Taylor Breslin got votes in the AFLW Fairest and Best um, that day. So she played on uh, Cunningham, did a good job. It was also the first day you're allowed to run out of the square and yeah. kick the ball and they count as disposal. So I'm not sure if that had an impact as well on the umpires, but no, she did a good job. And yeah, they didn't hurt us in the air um, like we were concerned going in. So the backs did a really good job uh, yeah. in, in that effort. And Evie Gooch's job on Shelley Scott really restricted what Scott could do because even up the ground, we know Shelley Scott loves to kick it in long into the forward line, but she just wasn't able to get that possession around the 50. No, and, and Gooch gives us great drive as well. So I don't think Gooch had a particular matchup on Scott, but Scott just got up high, which, which enabled Gooch to get up high. And I'm pretty sure one of our goals come from um, yeah Gooch belting it, sort of got over the back to Sharp at one stage. can't remember if that was the second or the last quarter, but uh, that, that come from, from Evie's yeah, depth of her kick. Yeah. So um, the really sad part of this quarter was Shay Sloan doing an ACL with just minutes remaining in the half on her debut. Very excited to see what she can do. She's re-signed for next year, which is exciting. Um, Houghton kicked a goal, you know, up by 14 with a minute left and then Caulfield marked in front of goal and kicked a goal on this halftime siren. So you go into halftime 20 points up after being five points up at quarter time and this was where it kind of felt like Frio could just destroy any team. Yeah, yeah. It was. We, I don't think we played that well that quarter. And I remember it was. I'm pretty. It was less than thirty seconds to go in the quarter. There was a stoppage, fifteen metres out from Melbourne's goal, and we went the full length of the field. Antonio was involved again. Houghton used their speed and got it over the back to Caulfield. So 
that was a, that was a crucial part of giving us that, that bigger lead, and it I thought it could have knocked the sales out of Melbourne, but it definitely didn't because <laughs> they obviously regrouped strongly. Um, but you, know, you, you go back and you look in such a narrow win, we scored you know, the first Sharps goals on the siren and Caulfield's goal on the siren as well, so they're, they're pretty crucial. And that was also a testament to our fitness that um, under Kate Starr with a new program that the girls were really fit and also the 40-degree heat played into our hands as well because we'd been training in similar conditions all summer. Um, so we knew we were going to have an advantage over Melbourne at the end of quarters. Yeah, and then you add on top that Melbourne's a player down on the bench as well. That would have just exacerbated that too. Yeah. The, the, I, I don't think a player down makes a, a big as big a difference in AFLW as it does AFL because you've got five on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's hard to get that fifth player into the rotation. So one player down tends to not make a big difference unless it's a, one of your prime midfielders. But two players down, that's when it really starts to, uh, to, to bite, I think. And you've learned that lesson from some games this year as well, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. It was probably... It probably wasn't too bad this year. It was probably the year before where we had quite a few injuries in-game. Uh, this year, um, most of them were in scratch matches beforehand or Steph came was round one. But after that, we actually had a reasonable run after that. Yeah, and never lost a game. Um, so third quarter. This is the quarter I'm excited to talk about, um, <laughs> just to be torturous. So we see a few little changes made for Melbourne. Ty- Tyler Hanks, who had been touted as one of the best young players in the game coming into this season. Um, she was moved into the midfield and she very much plays a defensive midfield role, but I kind of liken her, sorry to make a reference to the men's game, but I liken her to what George Hewitt does where she can very much play a defensive game, but win her own ball as well. And that I think really helped Melbourne getting the really efficient clearances. And that really created some um, opportunities in the third quarter for Melbourne. Um, but then you know, Lily Mithen started to really get proactive in this quarter as well. Was she a worry for you? Big worry. Uh, yeah, we, we were definitely talking about her uh, in the box um, that quarter because she wasn't just getting it, she was hurting us as well. So she was she was a big worry. Hanks was an interesting one because I rated Tyler really highly from the 18s year. Um, she was awesome in that year, but she... I can't remember what the injury was, if it was a shoulder or something, but she'd been injured in the preseason and hadn't played in the scratch match. So, in her knee. was it? Yeah, okay, yeah. yes. So, she didn't, um, they played her forward, for, you know, and we, we were very much worried about her as a forward, um, but she didn't have as big an influence that day because I, I don't think she was 100% right, but we've seen you know, now what a star she is. Uh, but yeah, Mithin was the one that we were definitely managing in that quarter. Uh, as being a a real problem for us. Yeah. And so Melbourne, they couldn't get those marks inside 50 that they wanted. So they had to find other ways to kick goals. And um, Shelly Scott, she loves a crumbing goal. She loves a snap around from the pocket. And she opened up the quarter with, with that. And Melbourne were then just down by the two goals. And it started to feel... A lot tighter, I think, because on the scoreboard, yeah, it was two goals, which is a lot in women's footy. But 
it felt like it could turn on a dime, especially with that wind as well. And we saw Paxman just splitting packs in this quarter. We saw Emerson being really creative out of defense. So they they were moving the ball a lot better than we'd seen in the previous quarter. And then the best goal of the day, okay, second best goal of the day, because Bauer's goal was the best goal of the day. Egan <laughs> um, Cunningham takes a mark on the boundary and because that was the only time that she got space in this whole game really the wind was incredible but she somehow kicked this check side goal from the boundary and it was just ridiculous it was we'd actually defended pretty well the the breeze was at its strongest at in that quarter and they kicked the early goal but after that we'd actually defended really well i think she kicked that goal with less than six minutes to go and that was their second for the quarter, but they kicked four in the last six minutes. So that was the one that sort of opened the floodgates a bit. And it needed, it, you know, we defended really well. President made her go right to the boundary to take a mark. And then she went and slotted that one. And they kicked another really good snap goal as well uh, from memory. Um, Eden Zanka. Yeah, Zanka kicked it. You know, yeah, one. So it was like, yeah, we're definitely under the pump at that point. Um, we couldn't get any momentum at all i think um might have been after cunningham's one back to the center and dana hooker with good clearance but hand passed it just slipped off the side of the hand and i scored a goal within like 30 seconds so that really did um put our team back and i think at that stage hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In, in hindsight, the girls are starting to think, oh, here we go again, type thing. I, I didn't think of that at the, at the time in the box, but looking back um, and then sort of what happened through the time, that's what, I could say that's what they were thinking. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a tough time. The backs were trying hard, but there's just too much ball down there. Yeah, the, the ball, the territory game was very much Melbourne's for the most of this quarter, which just created those opportunities. It's just so hard, like, to defend that constantly. And then you're in 40-degree heat. It's just too much to ask, I guess. But um, Maddie Gay eventually ran into an open goal, put Melbourne up by seven with four minutes remaining. And I think Eden Zanka started to wreck a bit of havoc for your defense in that late in that quarter as well. She was just attacking everything with her body and it was really hard to defend. Yeah, she she was another one who was really impressed with the 18s actually playing as a key back. She could really just read the ball and again, we don't like comparing, but she was Jeremy McGovern like in her intercept marking in the in the 18s. Um, so we knew that if she was on, no, because she didn't get a lot of opportunities the previous year, had she, but then knew if she did that she could play. And then, yeah, she's, she's just mobile as well for a height. So she was a hard matchup. That's for sure. And it was kind of interesting to see that you did actually move Ebony Antonia back into defense for part of this quarter as well. Yeah. So she, she went back as, uh, as a spare back to try to stem the flight. Yeah. 
stem the tide and it didn't work no because um yeah she sort of got herself out of um out of position well, not out of position but the ball just seemed to go around her and didn't have the influence that we're hoping that it would have but yeah she was down there as a spare um and it uh yeah did, didn't work put it that way <laughs> and in the dying moments bianca jacobson snapped a goal that was initially called a behind and then got called a goal to put the D's up by 14 points at three-quarter time. So this is what we want to talk about. What happened at three-quarter time? What changed? The um, the heat rules were in for the day, so we were allowed to go into the rooms at the breaks, quarter time and three-quarter time. So I wanted them in the, definitely in the rooms. Um, I'm a big believer in... Well, normally in the full season, I reckon you've got three sprays a year. Uh, the AFLW season's shorter, so uh, I reckon it's two sprays a year. And I was ready to do give that one then. So I wanted them inside. Um, Cara come down the. I was in the rooms. Cara come down and said, "We want to do it out on the oval." And I, was, I said, "No, everyone inside now." I was pretty short with them, so I was ready to go. Um, but when they come in. The looks on their faces were um, shell shocked, and yeah, that here we go again sort of look on their faces. And this was the the senior players, the ones who'd been through it before. And I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. If I go this way, it's just just not going to work. So we had to, I had to get myself back and change change tack. I think I had a chat with Cara first of all, and she was still up and about as she always is, but there were a lot of others who were, were shell-shocked. So we just got the group in, talked about a couple of like little things that were changing, which weren't much. I don't think we changed much at all positionally. Um, but then I, we spoke about Kiara and said, you know, we're in this position now. This is just a great opportunity. We've got the wind at our backs. We made everything posit positive. And um, Wade Spilker, our footy uh AFLW coordinator who'd been with the program since day one. He told me during the week, I can't remember the, the number now, but it was something like 936 days since that he signed Kiara to when she was first playing her game. So we just talked about that, that in this last quarter, um, that Kiara, we know, is going to give everything. She sat in the gym and watched everyone training for, t for two years, and this is her moment, and that she's going to get out there and give it absolutely everything, and who's going to who's going to jump on board uh, on board with her. And the whole team did. Um, the uh, Our media manager, Rosie Duffy, said that she wishes she recorded the speech because she said it was that good. And I said, don't get your hopes up. And I think she's recorded everyone since and they've all been junk. She's never used any of them. <laughs> she can't use any of them because I'm not that type of coach at all. I, I don't believe in those big, um, yeah, those, you play because motivated to do it in different things but at that time they just needed something a bit different and it was Kiara was such an easy go-to um so I remember when I don't remember how the quarter started but I think actually Melbourne might have had a chance but when Ebony she got a hold on the ball decision and kicked it to to Kiara who marked it and when she kicked that goal the um yeah you could see the mood in the in the the players, how they all got around Kiara. And Amy Lavelle, who played all of her footy with Kiara 
at Coastal Titans and Subiaco, you know, their best mates. She was in the box and her reaction, because she's very calm and controlled, Amy, and her reaction sort of showed me how special it was to everybody. Like, I'd, I was just a very small part of Kara's journey. Like, I come in and, you know, I, I haven't taught her much about footy at all. It's all been done beforehand and so many people have shared it and they all knew how much she deserved it. So when she kicked that goal... Amy said, we won't lose now. And I was like, geez, that's a big statement to start. We're still, we're still a couple of goals down or whatever we were. And But, yeah, sure enough, that just lifted. We put Kiara straight on ball because um, that was the other part of the story. Kiara's come back from so long. I spoke to her in the lead-up. Okay, we're going to go conservative with you. you know, forward pocket, bit of wing. And she was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting back in the midfield. And I said, well... She goes, it's your decision when, but I'm playing midfield. And I was like, yeah, okay, we'll just see. Like, and and because of course I hadn't seen her play. And then, um, oh, no, I'll get back in the midfield. You, you'll put me in there. And it was like, it's just, it's, 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 there's no arrogance about her at all. It's just this fierce competitor that wants to be in there doing it all the time. So after that goal, we put her in the midfield. And then she, I don't know how many tackles she had in the last quarter, but she was all over him uh, as well for a long time. Yeah, um, I've got to admit, as a Melbourne fan, like that still warms my heart. Uh, at the time, it, it kind of like that broke my spirit. Uh, because, yeah, it that definitely was the feeling at the ground as well. Even for supporters on the outer, it was that that was a really significant moment, not just for her, but for the team as well. So, And that was the thing as well. You said she went back in the midfield, but she laid two massive, really important tackles right after that. And it was just like this very clear shift for everyone. Yeah, I think it was, I think it may have been the time as well. I don't know, you have to speak to her that maybe she she forgot about her injury as well. Yeah. Like, it's like, because everything, like when I got there, she was going good, then stress fractures of the foot come in and stuff like that. So she just had everything. But maybe in that moment, she's such a competitor. She would have been worried about getting through that first game. But, okay, I've kicked the goal now. We're still a goal and a half down. we just got to get on and do this. And it's probably the moment that she might have forgotten about it altogether. And we've seen no signs of it since that no, she's just reckless the way she goes about it. <laughs> it's... Very, very scary. Um, one of those tackles was on Mithin, and it was just like, I truly thought Lily Mithin had been snapped in half by that tackle. But it just like, the defense battened down the touches, didn't let the ball in, didn't let Melbourne have any kind of control of the ball inside their forward 50, and then were very much running it out, getting it forward, and again, with the wind. And then Ashley Sharp was just looking super dangerous, and the ball drops over the back and she snaps, uh, kicks a goal from the goal square. But I hate it when people talk about just kicking it from the goal square when the ball falls over the back. Her positioning in that final quarter was so important because she was creating so much. Yeah, she does. She she just, she just She's a footy, she's a footballer. She's been playing since a young age. Uh, similar to Duffy, if you go through you know, a lot of her goals, you go, oh, some people, oh, she got lucky, she got out the back. Well, she'd worked up the ground and then run out the back. Know, to to do that and Sharp's the same and on that occasion she did that and uh, and such a good finisher as well. Yeah. So at six minutes to go, you're down by two, and then Houghton takes a mark against Cordner. I don't know how she took the mark. Cordner was all over her, mm. kicks the shot, 
uh, you're up by four. And then from there, it was just contest after contest from the middle, just not letting any sort of free-flowing ball. And that is kind of how the last five minutes played out, really. Yeah, it was – yeah, the Houghton mark, I think um, Dannett started that play. We were really well down back. And Houghton had been in unbelievable – she kicked eight goals in a game. We played at the State Academy and – no, we're expected to win, but it was 16 goals to one or something. But Houghton kicked eight goals in that game and was like genuinely unstoppable. So we were really excited at that point about what she could do. Um, and I think she ran into an open goal later on yeah. the quarter and, and missed it. But, um, but yeah, that mark, like I said, Courtney couldn't have done any more to grip that and then go back and kick it. It was a big effort. And then after that, the wind, I remember then, the wind was really strong. I think Melbourne kicked out of bounds on the full court a few times. Um, Trying to get it but, out of defence. Defence, but we couldn't even score a point because I was I was thinking with this breeze, we're four points up. Let's just get if we can just get three points. And but the goal line seemed to have a force field around it. Um, someone kicked one, and we we're trying to soccer it in the line. Somehow we couldn't even get it through for a point at one stage. So you're always worried when it's not a full goal that they could pinch it at any stage. So it was still pretty nerve wracking. Casey Fields, the Hell Stadium, um, Hell Ground, I guess, not even a stadium. Um, the other part of this, I think, that was, uh, I just feel bad for Cordner because she had to play on Antonio in the first half and couldn't catch a trick. And then Gemma Houghton takes a mark like that on her in the last quarter. It's just like, what did she sign up for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, and that's the beauty of our forward line is we've got so many dangerous players down there that, um, and that day, yeah, like Courtney couldn't have done any more on Houghton in that instance at all. Like it was, um, she was all over her body contact, everything, and just a really strong contested mark. So I think the really exciting thing about this game and the reason we refer back to it so much is that it was the start of the Frio team we know now and started the really, um, I guess, difficult to stop Frio team and, and a lot of the debutants from this game are like had such an important role this year and I think that's why it's so exciting to look back on this a lot of the debutants played such a crucial role yeah I definitely they did that day like yeah like I said Phil Seth was just starting uh, and Stan it's been a mainstay now um through there uh we talked about it as being we wanted to do a lot of first that year and that was you know our first time we're going to win round one never won round one before First time we'd won away. Um, so we still, I think, unfairly get a bad rap for our interstate record. But it's the first two years we didn't win away. But we've now won 80% of our home and away fixtures away from home in the last two years. So I don't know if there'd be many sporting players, sporting teams in the world that have done that. So we pride ourselves now on going away and having those challenges. And, yeah, Melbourne at Casey Fields isn't an easy challenge, that's for sure. So... Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that we pride ourselves on, and we think that day started it. How do we have lost that game? Um, it's only, you know, that, people say it's only one game of footy, but that gave us a lot of momentum and even more importantly, a lot of belief that we could that we could do those type of things. So it was really important. Well, another first for that year was making finals for the first time as well, which yeah. is significant. Yeah, absolutely. But that was sort of so far away from our goals, really, because... <laughs> Uh, you know, we wanted to win respect in the competition because we didn't have it. We finished second last both years. So making finals was um, – that sort of come later on, really, um, when we, we realised that we are a chance. So, um, 
but to, yeah, just to win those games and to win away from home uh, was was really important to us. Is this game your, your one of your highlights of your coaching career at Frio right now? Yeah, I think so for sure. There was so so much um, to do. You know, obviously, the Kiara's debut was important um, to to win that away game and the feel that the group had coming off and like you you have a plan and you want everyone to follow it and they did to a T in the lead up to it. But if it if it just doesn't work with the with the WNL, sometimes you can lose that um, that, that belief. But we had it and we followed it through ever since. And um, yeah, the girls have got good faith in what we what we do. And I think yeah, had we lost that game, who knows? It might it would have been a lot harder uh, to to get that. I think. Yeah. Meanwhile, my team had to deal with the loss. Miss <laughs> finals again, the third year running. Yeah, and they and they um, yeah, because they they played well and they would have been shattered by that. Um, and it's it's one of those things. It's such a fine line AFLW season that you only have one loss and it can affect so much. And um, yeah, for Melbourne, probably that one. And also, I think they lost one they shouldn't have at some stage. Yeah, you know, they yeah. always do. <laughs> so, oh. Well, this year it was St Kilda. St Kilda, yeah. I've yeah, complained which... to you about anyway, so it is what it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me to chat about this. This has been really fun, even though I watched my team lose again. <laughs> yeah, sorry to make you do that, but uh... <laughs> as soon as as soon as you said it, I was like, I knew this would happen. <laughs> no, 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 it is such a good game to watch, and I've now rewatched this game twice, which is, you know, whatever. Um, it was kind of a nice setup to a really good season as well, a really good season of progression, which then grew again this year so that's good um you excited for next year even though it's a bit up in the air yeah very much so yeah we've been um you know sort of catching up once a week um we've been doing it with a our nga 16s um yeah. so our girls train with them and the, the, all our girls are on individual programs some of them are playing the waffle w um and some are just on programs just to get their bodies right for next year some sort of rehab and then the um I call them the old girls, the OGs, but they've called themselves the original gangsters. So that's, um, yeah, Cara, Kiara, Ebony, Liam Maskell, the ones that have uh, been around for a while. They're just doing the, um, yeah, basically fitness work and they're you know, tearing up the track at the moment um, and looking really good. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a break now and then, um, yeah, hopefully everything's sorted by that first week in November and everybody can get out and, um, and have that pre-season block in. Mm. And very, I don't know if I should be asking you this, but very exciting addition of Jess Trend into the side next year as well. Yeah, no, we're, we're really pleased um, uh, when she become available. We weren't going to do too much in the sign and trade period. Our main aim was to uh, consolidate our list. Obviously, you know, we've got some good players, so it's hard to fit them all in the in the tiered cap and everything. So that was our main aim. Um, so we managed to do that, and yeah, and then Jess become available. Um, and it was sort of a deal that was good for everyone because um, Taylor Breslin's been great for us, but she just probably wasn't going to get the opportunities, whereas at West Coast, she should be a first 16 player every week. So she went across there, North Melbourne wanted a draft pick, and for us, um, Jess can give us either run-off half-back if we want to release Phil Seth more to a midfield role or support uh, through the wings. So uh, she does that. And more importantly for us, we're really big on culture and so we did a lot of research and 
couldn't find anyone to say a bad word about Jess or all positive about her. So looking forward to her hopefully escaping um, lockdown and getting across here um, sometime in October if all, if all goes well. I'm such a fan of her, so it's just going to make it even harder to play again. Well, you don't know if Melbourne's going to play Frio, but we managed to miss you twice this year, so uh, hopefully we don't have to play you next year and then I don't have to worry about rooting against you. Um, yeah, I think I think with, this, with the, if, the, if they do the snake and conferences again, I think Melbourne will be probably with us. So, um, oh, God. <laughs> Everything's so difficult all the time. Carlton as well. Um, yeah, anyway, I'll s- stop taking up so much of your time. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, that's been Trent Cooper. This has been I See It But I Don't Believe It. Catch us again when I release another episode. I don't know when it, that will be. Uh, yeah. Yeah.